Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. This is Be Easy, Brandon, and I am joined today by Mr. J-Mac. J-Mac, how's it going? What's going on, buddy? It was nice to uh, nice to give you the reins of your own show back, even though I had to host last week. It was a little weird to get back on radio and do it. I hadn't done it in a while. Yeah, yeah, until you had a guest that I guess you'd never really had before since, I guess, The Outfielder? Yes, it was like episode 11 of The Outfielder that Caitlin came on, and so she... Uh, We've been talking about doing the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror things for a while. You were out of town. Mount Carl was out of town. I was like, you know what? There's no better time than to go through these and waste everybody's time with a bunch of rankings like we love to do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, if there's anything we do well, I think it's Simpsons stuff. We do a lot of it, and, you know, it felt like, you know, it's Halloween time. It was a good time to do it. Yeah, and I feel like our listeners are a big uh, Simpsons fans as well. So, as we see in the past, they love to tune in, discuss it, talk about it on social media. So, yeah, yeah, no complaints there. How was uh, how was your time on the road, man? Oh man, it's uh, so I haven't been to work since Thursday uh, two weeks ago. So, or just about it feels like two weeks, but. Yeah, it's been nonstop, quite the adventure. Uh, going out to North Carolina for one of my best friend's wedding, having to be the man of honor, and then as well as perform uh, a song on guitar and sing it in front of people was uh, a little daunting, but um, getting that out of the way, I mean, uh, of course, I stepped up to the plate and delivered in spades and, and did everything the best I could. But being up in the mountains, let me tell you, I'm already missing them uh, just thinking about it. I bet so. I've got some questions for you. Go ahead. Okay, so we'll start with the wedding part. So, okay, so like, at what points in the wedding were you responsible for music? Uh, I was only responsible for uh, the part where after the whole ceremony, and then you go in, and they're introduced as the the couple, you know, Mister and Mrs. So and so. Yeah, and and so you know, of course, you got like hours of pictures, as you remember, you recall. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Where? I want to say in comparison to that, I feel like we had more fun pictures together, especially the one where we're all like uh, have our, our hands on everybody's hips. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the prom pictures. You're talking about from my wedding, right? Yeah. 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 Prom yeah. pictures and the, the ones of each of you gently kissing my cheek. That's Sam's weird. face. Yeah. There, there's some weird ones out there for sure. Yeah, it was really good. But yeah, I was basically just responsible for their uh, first dance, the uh, first song that they danced to as husband and wife. So that was my only responsibility, which is a big responsibility. Okay. That, I mean, that is a big responsibility. What song did you go with? Uh, well, they asked me to do, well, she asked me to do a song by Aaron Lewis called uh, Tangled Up in You. Uh, Aaron ah, Lewis good song. Sustained. So I did uh, basically a solo acoustic guitar rendition on my Taylor, and 
and saying that, I think I probably practiced it three to 400 times because I've known about it since June. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a surprise for the groom. He had no, no idea. He knew that I brought my guitar, but didn't really know until we got there. And then I started setting everything up, pulled out my telescopic uh, mic stand and everything. He's like, oh, oh, shit, you're actually performing? I'm like, yep, surprise. So, yeah, yeah it, it, you know, they danced and I don't think there was a dry eye in the house and and afterwards, you know, they're all clapping, but I'm I'm clapping for them. And, you know, he came up and gave me a big handshake and a hug. And he was like, dude, thank you so much for doing that. That was amazing. That's incredible, man. That's an awesome experience. Now, I think you would have been better suited to go with full band stained, you know, a little bit of like, you know, maybe go into like a little price to play, you know, a little, oh, yeah, little yeah. hard. Yeah. hardcore, you know, thrashing rock. I think that that would now you want to talk about bringing the, the energy up in the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because right after I performed, I was like, OK. And I was like, all right, everybody, let's dance. And everybody just kind of sat there looking at me. And I'm like, well, I tried. Well, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not playing the soundtrack for this dance, but, you know, everybody should dance. Yeah, because as soon as I was done, like there was some uh, lady in the back that was like, are you going to play another song? Like they wanted to hear more. And I'm like, Nope, I'm done. My responsibilities yeah. <laughs> are done. Like I'm about to go get shit faced, you know, because yeah. I purposefully did not drink beforehand. Um, mm. I just stuck to water. I, I try not to eat too much. That way your vocals were clear and you know, I wouldn't have to clear my throat. But yeah, as soon as I was done, I, I went right over to the beer stand. Now, when was the last time would you say that you've performed, performed? Uh, it's been some years. And so that's why I was a bit nervous doing this, but sure. at the same time you do things enough and it was really just kind of shaking off the rust. I think that was the, the biggest nervousness part. But usually if I have sung in front of people, it's been like, you know, with a bunch of other band members and you got like a full, you, you don't feel like you're by yourself up there, but yeah, yeah it's been probably definitely. four or five years. Okay. Uh, see, that's way, way more recent than, than for me, I would say. But I mean, like I said, I mean, we, we, and we've talked about this before, like we both have a lot of experience kind of performing in front of people like that and stuff like that. We, I mean, we do podcasts and stuff just to, I mean, almost the same way. It's different with, without instruments, obviously, and stuff like that, but it's still a, an art of performing and an art of being on the spot and not really worrying about messing up, which is the hardest part. But once you've done it enough, just like anything else, it really isn't that bad. And it's weird. It's like you have these weird butterflies in your stomach and then you get up there and you feel like you're going to absolutely turn green and vomit and then you start and then you're good to go. Yeah. It, I basically, uh, I had a couple people come up to me afterwards and they were just like, you know, especially the, uh, the, the groomsmen and stuff, you know, I've been hanging out with them all weekend, you know, and they were getting shit faced and we were just having fun a bunch of guys just hanging out, you know, oh, and, yeah. uh, they didn't really know because I'd only really practice it maybe once when I was up there. And that was when everybody was kind of out of the cabin and another one, mm-hmm. but, uh, so they didn't really know what I was all about. And then they heard that. And so they came up to me and they were just like, they're like, dude, so what's, what's it like going up there? And I'm like, I, I, the only thing I can really, um, you know, equate it to is waiting to ride like one of the tallest roller coasters or something. And you're, yeah. you're you have that nervousness and you're going up and you're going up and you're going up. You're like, can we just drop already? You know, and yeah. it's getting over the first drop. And once you do, then you're having the time of your life. And so yeah. that's really the only thing I can, the, the equivalent of that, that I can uh, think of. It's, it's, that's a really good way to describe it. It's not exactly it, but it's, right. it's about as close as you can possibly get. And it's, there's something about just all those eyes on you. And yep, like yep. at some point you, you lose track of that pretty easily and you just kind of get into it. And I mean, it's gotta be, 
I think the other part of it is it's not like that's a song that you wouldn't listen to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're not the biggest Stain guy in the world, but you like Stain just fine, just like sure. everybody else does, yeah. I think. And you've got to be passionate about the song choice too and something like that. Right. Yeah. Which I, I thought it was a really nice song and it's, it's pretty strong. There's some lyrics in there that I kind of was kind of puzzled by, but uh, you know, but overall it it, it was, it was perfect for, you know, this is what she wanted. And so the, the thing is, as you know, it's like performing in front of people, if you're performing a bunch of, of, strangers and stuff uh that are looking at you it's kind of like oh whatever i'm not going to see these people again anyway so you just kind of let it all hang out but when it comes to a setting like this in a wedding where you know i'm dressed up and and everything and uh you know it's it's i mean this is like a memory that's going to last for the rest of their lives for them uh maybe not so much the people watching but but just for the two of them that's where the pressure was really getting to me Definitely. And that, that makes sense. Now I, I'm glad you brought the the lyrics thing up because I've also been in, in at wedding situations and this is not a good move. So the, the move that you pulled off here where you played the actual song and everything and played the actual lyrics and all that. Great. What I will say is, and what is a very poor move is to play a song at a wedding and then change the words to make it fit the occasion more. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. There was okay. a wedding I was at a long time ago where the the uh, person, they had a, a guitar accompanist and then they played, you know, like they just sung. So, I mean, it was a little bit different from what you did, but still kind of the same idea in theory. And they played that song, Marry Me by Train, a perfect oh, wedding yeah, song, yeah. right? Yeah. A great wedding song. Yep. But there's a line in that song in the end of the chorus that says, if I ever get the nerve to say hello in this cafe, and they re- they replaced it with a bunch of like God type stuff, like, you know, and, and the Lord is here to stay or something like that. And, mm. you know, I, I don't really give a shit about how anybody feels about religion. That's everybody's own business. And you can believe what you want to believe and all that. Sure. My point is trying to work things into a song that aren't actually there. It's a really weird move. Yeah, I, I agree with that because you're you're changing the art of it. Um, Correct. And I could see maybe changing things like maybe it was a song that had a MF bomb and you want to change that. Okay, sure. then, okay, then, maybe you know, for the general masses, you kind of want to make it PG friendly, then okay. Uh, but I'm glad you brought that up because I did change uh, one thing or a couple things about this song and it's towards the end because Aaron Lewis is... I mean, everybody, everybody knows how he sings and, and it starts to build up. And then next thing you know, he's yelling and he's, he's being really yeah. loud. And so at the, the very end of it, um, you know, he starts really, really like screaming, you know, just yeah. tangled up in you in, in a very, very high octave. And so I basically just took that down a couple octaves mm-hmm. towards the end. And then, you know, just kind of whispered tangled up in you at the, at the very end, right when I did, you know, the last, you know, outro part of it. So, see, but that's taking it from a like a because it gets to be that builds up to, into a pretty rock heavy song at yeah, the end. It does. That's taking it and making it more fitting for the occasion. But right. like to take the entire message of the song and change it. Yeah, that's I that's agree. a strange move. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was all about, well. I, I don't want to be over the top and I don't like the way that he does it at the end, especially for something like a wedding. I don't want to be the center of attention and mm-hmm. it's all just, I am serving a purpose for them. You know, that's the way I looked yeah. at it. I'm just being a tool here. And that's where you see like, like if you look at that on a broader scope, like that's why you don't see a lot of artists remixing older songs and stuff like that because one part of the genius of it is its original version. Mm-hmm. And two, it's 
it's really hard to take what somebody did and make it your own in a really good way. That's a really tough thing to do because everybody's always married to the actual original version of the song. No pun intended here. But like, and that's kind of how I felt about that train song. And to be honest with you, it ruined that train song for me. And like, oh, it was just, it was an absolute, it was a perfect example right there when I was just telling you. I didn't even remember what words they replaced with those words, mm -hmm. but I know that it was bad. And it just, that's the first thing I think of every time I hear that song now. Yeah. So, I, and especially when you go take a non-secular song and make it secular, that's a weird move. That's a, it's a very weird move. Um, I, I think another thing, and this is what I hate about, well, performance in general, but I've seen this at weddings before where maybe I've only seen it at one wedding, but it, it was, oh. it was so ridiculous where they're singing the song and what do they do? They go, okay, everybody sing. And they hold the mic out. And I'm like, yeah. dude, no. That's okay. What? <laughs> that's okay. Whenever it's uh, that, just made me think of the great Sambino's wedding in Mountain Carl. Oh and yeah, it, we'll talk about it later. Um, I'll let <laughs> okay. Mountain Carl talk about that if he ever wants to talk about it on the air. Okay. Um, but there's a there's a time and place for that, and it's whenever the energy's hopping, mm -hmm. and it's not like whenever there's seven people on the dance floor and you're putting the microphone out there. <laughs> no, yeah, that's I, a poor look. Yeah, it'd be more of like a wedding crashers type of vibe, where you know, hey, yeah, exactly, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's where you look for that kind of energy. But it is a weird move if you don't do it the right way. And you have to have done enough on stage to know when those times are. Right. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it gets forced where people are like, come on, I can't hear you. And I'm like, dude, just stop. Right. And like if I write a, a song full of hey-o's and stuff like that, right, you know, right. like you can maybe get that to go back to the crowd or whatever. But like for the most part, people don't know what my songs are and you can't assume them assume that they know what the song is because then it just feels awkward. Yeah, exactly. But, but the one thing I have to say about that wedding venue is it was the most picturesque, perfect. I mean, everything was just perfection about it. Yeah. And so this was up in a uh, Northwest uh, North Carolina, up in the mountains near Boone, North Carolina. Uh, this place was called sky retreat. So you can look it up on Google, but uh, I will, be providing a lot of pictures that I took uh, to J Mac, and he's going to put that up on our Twitter. You can find that at Simply Loud after you uh, listen to this. And uh, yeah, even if you're not going there for a wedding, just going there, period, uh, up in the mountains. Or I mean, we're talking 3,000 to 4,000 foot elevation. The high up there, I think, was like 65 to 73 in that range the whole time I was there from Monday through, uh, or from Friday through Monday. Uh, and the best thing about that trip was, you know, I landed in Charlotte and took about an hour and 45 minutes to get up there. But thankfully, I, I went through a really good national uh, rental car agency and got a Jeep Cherokee. And that's the best way to go. Oh, you mean you didn't wait an hour and a half in line all to wait another hour for the car and then have to hitchhike back from the gas station? You mean that didn't happen? No, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> that happens to some people. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder who that was. <laughs> absolutely unbelievable that was unbelievable but you I was know so angry yeah that that was a live and learn situation so you know god was it yeah yeah no so so i'm glad to hear that it was gorgeous the pictures you showed me were amazing oh yeah uh, it looked awesome it reminded me my older uh, sister got married uh 11 12 years ago now and she got married up in the mountains in colorado in the summertime and it was a similar kind of feel to that not exactly obviously because it's rocky mountains and all that but it was still I mean, just absolutely gorgeous in the summertime. 
Yeah, and hiking and and finding some paths and trails to go on. That was the best thing. I, that was the first thing I did the next day after, of course, I woke up from being hungover from drinking too much whiskey at the uh, at the fire that they had building up. So yeah, <laughs> been there too many times, my friend. Yep, but uh, yeah, it was a great trip. And as soon as I got back, uh, pretty much the day after I got back, uh, Tuesday of of this week, I ended up getting up and at noon I went with uh, my roommate, another friend of mine. Drove all the way up to Tulsa. This is about uh, close to a four-hour, like three-and-a-half, four-hour drive. And saw Tool in concert, which was epic. That is incredible. So I'm surprised they didn't come here, to be honest. I think it was something to do with some scheduling because this is one of those shows that they had such a great um, stage design and everything that it would have had to have taken place in American Airlines Center. And it could have been that maybe the, the, it was just no way to, to work it out. What so, night was it? Uh, this was on Tuesday of uh, Tuesday twenty six. Yeah, yeah. I think either the Stars or the Mavericks were playing that night. I think that's probably why. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. So, so uh, talk to me about the the. So, the, is this the first time you've seen Tool? You've seen him before, right? I'm sorry. It's Tuesday the 29th of October. Uh, this okay. was the second time. Yeah, the first time I saw him was at the. Uh, well, at the time it was called Nokia Theater. Now it's Verizon Theater in Grand mm-hmm. Prairie. Which was really good, but this was we had four seats and and I got the four seats for us, so we we're about center, just to the right a little bit. The sound was excellent. Uh, the band was on fire. Uh, it, it's just it's one of those experiences where you see someone like a band like that that is so eclectic and and so tight with with everything that they're doing, and because there's a lot of uh, unbalanced syncopated rhythms and really weird time signatures. And yep. yeah, their drummer was was excellent as well, doing some drum solos and everything. He's that guy's crazy, dude. Yeah, that that guy isn't he like the main reason most of their stuff doesn't come out as quickly as Maynard would want to because he's so. Or is that the guitarist? Well, it's it's kind of a combination of both. Uh, Adam Jones, the guitarist, and Danny Carey, the drummer, uh, okay. they can be perfectionists to a T. Um, whereas Justin, uh, who's on um, bass, he's he's not as much a perfectionist. But yeah, those guys are just. They they spent a little too much time getting this album together, but this album has been pretty amazing. The one thing I will say about the show that was really, really cool was that, you know, most bands, whenever they come out with a new album, they're primarily playing the new album in their show, especially when the, the tour is named, you know, whatever their album name is for the tour. And in this, it was a very balanced approach. It was basically like three songs from the new album, three songs, pretty much like three songs from almost every album, and then maybe like one from their very oldest album. So okay. it was very balanced and really flowed well. And and uh, yeah, let's just say I had a bang over for like a, a, a day or two where my ears were just ringing. Oh, yeah, that'll happen for sure. So the last time you probably saw them, was that like the 10,000 Days Tour? Yeah, uh, or that was that was after that. I mean, 2000 Days came out in 2006, I want to say, and I, think, I saw yeah. them in 2008 or 2009. Okay, so I went to that 10,000 Days tour, and I saw them. It was in Fort Worth at the one of those places down there. I don't really remember, and it was fucking incredible. Yeah. And I just remember, like, very few things about it, really, just because it's been a long time now, but uh, Maynard was, like, in the back like mm-hmm. corner of the stage it was just like a completely lit up stage that was like it was as if they were standing on like lights themselves you yeah, know kind of yeah, like yeah. on the, the face of a light mm-hmm. the whole stage was like that into a brick each of them were in four corners Maynard was in the very back corner where you could barely see him just stand there with a microphone you know singing or whatever and he was wearing this cowboy hat and he was completely shaved oh yeah uh, 
to the, you know, to the to skin all the way around. And when he took that cowboy hat off, he had all the hair that, you know, mm-hmm. like flowed out. Cause he kind of had his hair like in a wild, like, you know, weird looking thing at a time. And it was like, the place just went wild. Like it was, a it was, it wasn't nearly as balanced as that, but yeah. they didn't have as many albums at that point either. Right. Which I guess this is the only one more album since then, isn't it? Yeah. It's only one more album since That's then. Absurd. First album That's in like 13 years. But a lot of that too is because they were dealing with some sort of lawsuit with a guy who used to, I guess was their merch manager and all this other yeah. bullshit that kind of like, uh, space some things out, but yeah, I mean, basically the same tour I was on. Uh, they pretty much had the same stage design you were describing. This mm-hmm. one, they had some platforms towards the back, so he was basically standing next to Danny, but he was more in the light. And he had, you know, and, and Maynard's like pretty bald now, but he he had like this sort of like anime looking mohawk thing that he was wearing as a wig, and then uh, his eyes were painted black, and he kind of had like this Joker kind of upside down, um, you know, like uh black lines and stuff and he looked like really crazy looking but um yeah i mean the the guys had a lot of fun i could tell the band was was really feeling it that night um it's funny too because uh they performed for halloween and uh adam uh who used to do special effects and makeup design for jurassic park back in 93 um ended up making a dwight schrute uh outfit and he his face and everything he looked just like dwight schrute and he played the show like that (laughs) He really? Had, he had the phone clipped on everything. I'll have to send you the, the pictures and all that. And some of the other guys wore some masks, but you know, but those guys have a lot of fun and, and that was really cool to, to go check out, even though it was like, God, it was like a high of 40 and it was just nonstop rain when we got to Tulsa. So it's safe to say at 55 years old that Maynard still brings it. Oh yeah. He still brings it. Cause even when he's not doing tool stuff, he's, all right, right now he's recording for a new Puss for album, and then he's running his wine business, which is really, really successful. I mean, the guy's just nonstop, you know. I've always been under the impression that if he ever thought he was giving anything less than what he gave at 20 years old, that he wouldn't be doing it anymore. Yeah, he would just hang it up. And yeah. I, I really value artists like that <clears throat> because I think those are the same artists when they were, you know, our age or, or even younger um, that whenever they were going to – one day get older, they're like, oh, no, we're, we're just going to become a parody. But they always continue pushing themselves. Yeah, no, they really, I mean, I haven't, I need to really sit down and listen to the new album. I've listened to it once through, but I just, it's one of those things you have to understand. You've got to sit down and give it some time. And it, yeah. it deserves the artistic time. And I just haven't given it to, like, I know I haven't listened to it that way yet. So I can't tell you how I feel about it yet, but I, 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 I've heard it's incredible. And I, like I said, I listened to it once over and it, as a first scan, great, but I, I hesitate to ever say an album fucking kills it before I really had a chance to give it another once over. And I just really haven't had the time to do that yet, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, and two, it's like each song, sometimes you might have some repeated motifs throughout and I, you know, like I know Trent does that as well, but mm-hmm. uh, I would just say my favorite tracks from that album are probably uh, Numa uh invincible calling voices and tempest and they played numa invincible uh at the show and it was even better live than i could have ever anticipated really interesting yeah. did you like Ten Thousand days a lot of people didn't uh no i didn't really like it that much what didn't you like about it it just i don't know it, it just seemed like it, it lacked a sense of uh enthusiasm or a sense of nuance you know like mm-hmm. you know songs like the pot and everything were, were good but it's just kind of i don't know it's something about it i just kind of felt like it was one of the weaker albums of theirs 
it was definitely the one of the weaker albums. I actually like that album a lot, but mm-hmm. the the one word that I've always associated with that album over any of the other Tool albums is just commercial. Yeah, yeah. Felt more commercial. Vicarious was a banger. Oh yeah, but yeah. it got overplayed big time. It did, and that's that's kind of the other uh, aspect of it too. It got overplayed quite a bit, um, and this is a very different. Ter- or terrain now when it comes to uh, listening to music compared to 2006 so very you know. true I'll, I'll say this too if you are ever in a position where you have to make a radio cut don't make that cut mm-hmm. don't make it mm-hmm. just don't do it because that's the biggest problem with vicarious is that there's a radio cut yeah. that that cuts out three minutes of intro which i get mm-hmm. not friendly for radio but like that's what tool is like. That's, that's the patience of listening to a tool album is key. Yeah. And I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine at the show too. And it's kind of like, I, the way I look at tools are like a modern day pink Floyd, you know, it's the best yes. way to put it, especially live with all the, the visuals and everything. I mean, there were plenty of lasers, that's for sure. But um, you know, so it's, it'd be like if you're truncating a pink Floyd song, you just don't do it. Yeah. You it's know? just not worth it. Yeah. You lose so much, and you, I don't think people realize how much you lose. And that's probably the hardest part about Tool, like for a lot of people to wrap their head around, is it does take patience. Sure. It does take some some discipline to really listen to it, not just let it play in the background, you know? Yeah, and I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit that in the 2000s, you know, I've always been known to be more of a, definitely more of a fan of Nine Inch Nails because it's more accessible in a way. Yep. Uh, there's a lot more of the 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 typical song structure uh, melodies in there uh, mm-hmm. with your, your basic, you know, intro chorus hooks, all that stuff. Yep. Uh, whereas with tool there's, it's a little bit more nuanced and just when you think the song's over, it keeps going and there's an interlude in the middle of the song. And so, yeah, from that, that perspective, I mean, it took me a little bit to really appreciate tool. Cause when I first heard him, I was just kind of like, okay, I, I don't get it. And I honestly didn't get it at first until probably yeah. mid two thousands. I think everybody feels that way. And then it's, it's really hard to go back to it at that point. Yeah. And that that's always been really strong. And I also, but I love that Maynard thought about that and realized, Hey, that's what people tend to want. In which case, that's why he designed a perfect circle to basically cover that Avenue and still let tool be tool. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a, a, a solid brilliance in that. So, I mean, so this time you would say was better than the last time you saw them? Oh, no doubt. I mean, this this show, I mean, especially with the view that we had and everything. The other thing that was cool, too, because we, we saw this at the, the box center, or as the locals call it, the BOK Center, which is Bank of Oklahoma or whatever. But uh, the box center is really, really amazing looking um, <clears throat> on the outside and the inside. I would say it most uh, reminds me of like where the Spurs play as well as American Airlines Center where the Mavericks play kind of the same sort of setup uh, mm-hmm. but the the sound in there is really good um, there's really not too much that rattles but the one thing that was interesting is there is no uh, video or audio recording during a tool show right. so if you have your phone out and we saw this uh, about two or three times event security will come up and kick you out and will re- remove you from the arena like you are out uh, there's no warnings or nothing. And they have, you know, several warnings ahead of time before the show where you have like a James Earl Jones sounding guy come up and, you know, there is no recording and, you know, all this stuff. So yeah, not until the very last, uh, which was Stink Fist, which was the very last song of the encore. 
that's when Maynard's like, okay, I know everybody's itching to pull out your phones. You can do this during this, this final. Cause it had really, really amazing visuals. And mm-hmm. he told, he's like security, you can stand down. <laughs> that's pretty cool though. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Like to, to give fans a chance to like spread it, but also, you know, enjoy the show as it's meant to be seen. I, I appreciate that when I saw Chappelle last time, because I mean, it was even more intense than that. You had to take things that they gave you and they locked up your phone. Yeah. And it all unlocked after the show was over. Yeah. So, Which, I mean, that, I mean, that's even, uh, they didn't even take the the chance to let people record it in that way. Yeah. And I really, uh, I, cause of all the concerts I've been to, that's the one thing that just gets annoying is seeing someone's electronic screen in front of you. And you're trying to look beyond that onto the stage and being in this sort of, situation where everybody it's just you're not even focused on the crowd because everything's just dark like you're just taking in the amazement you know of what's happening in front of you Mm -hmm. and so it's just uh, i wish more and more artists would do it yeah i i I get both sides of it but like i'll tell you last weekend i went so this this is less of a me thing i'll tell you that yeah uh more of a because i'm I'm married, but I wanted to go and ha- I went and I had a good time anyway, type of thing. Okay. But we went and saw Zach Brown band. Okay. Nice. And of country music, he's one of the guys I probably like more than others. He's a little bit more kind of like Chris Stapleton now and a little bit more gritty Authentic. as far as the true Nashville music. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was in Dallas at like an outdoor arena, which is fine but it really had the makings of a concert that should have been in mid July versus October when it's cold. Cause it was probably like 60 degrees, which is not bad. I mean, we knew that. So we, you know, were dressed appropriately, but it had just rained a day or so before. So uh, it was yeah. just, the ground was cold and like, it was just overall like really chilly. And you know me, that doesn't bother me at all. Really but it made for a weird concert going experience. And one thing I did notice during that performance is like they were doing like basically like little spurts of sets. So like they would do like eight, six, seven, eight songs and then take a break for 10 minutes and put a big clock up there and they count down to 10 minutes, which is nice. You can get up, go get pee, get a beer, whatever you got to do. Um, it just felt like a summer thing though. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's, that's what it was it, but they did i mean they were damn good but it wasn't going to see tool i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah but but that's pretty cool like to enjoy the outdoor atmosphere and sometimes i can get to be a little too uh you know daunting or distracting uh being outdoors uh especially you might get a lot of reverb or something like that that happens but uh i guess from the artist standpoint but you know too i think uh when it's outdoors like that you get too many people getting shit faced it's a true story. And I mean, the one thing I'll say though, too, is to the cell phones point, cell phone point thing. Like, I don't, uh, I don't know. I would have been pretty pissed if I would have had to lock up my phone. Yeah. yeah. In that kind of situation. So I think in, in certain situations it matters. Sure. But I don't think all situations call for that either. So it just really depends on what you're looking at. Yeah. Like, you know, it, I, I would say with an artist like tool, like where there's a lot of nuance and they want you to pay attention to what's going on it makes sense. But for an artist, like, I don't know, the B 52s or, you know, yeah. somewhere where it's just a big party atmosphere then yeah, whatever, you know, exactly. I mean, I'm not putting my phone away whenever I've got to see Jimmy Buffett, right? Not doing it. I yeah. mean, 
You're not going to catch me with my phone in my pocket during boat drinks. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so did you and uh, Claire do anything during the Halloween week? We didn't do a ton, man. It was kind of a weird time because of the fact that, um, so I, I've got a, I've got something to run by you. I want to get your opinion on, but right. uh, the timing of Halloween being on Thursday night was a little bit strange this week. And I wanted to come to your party, but actually I was had tickets to the Lakers Mavs game, which because the Lakers were in town, these tickets that I usually have are $75 each face value mm -hmm. were selling for four fifty a pop. Damn. So like a big ticket in town, right? I wasn't not going to go to this, unfortunately. And, um, so I, I was sad to miss your Halloween party, which I want to get back to, but for Halloween specific, one thing I noticed this year, so we've lived in our neighborhood that we live in for two years now. It's coming up and coming neighborhoods, newer, you know, being built and everything. It's pretty much built out now. So last year we had one trick or treater. One. Okay. Uh, you know, it's a brand new neighborhood, not really to, you know, whatever. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. This year, take a guess how many we had. Hmm. Well, you probably had way more because last year it was raining a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you probably had, I'm going to guess, 50? Uh, no, we doubled the number to two oh, in to two, two years. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make absurd, sense. Absurd, right? Yeah. <laughs> Seems absurd. And so I've done a lot of thinking about this, and I can come up with two theories. I want to know which, and it's probably some mixture of both, So, but I want to hear your take on this. So one, they did like a neighborhood trunk or treat type of thing in like, on like Sunday night. So like, I think on a Thursday night when it's cold outside, I mean, it's cold for Texas. I'll preface it with that. Right. When it's right. cold outside, I can understand maybe doing the trunk or treat thing instead, but especially if you've got little kids, mm -hmm. that's the first explanation I could think of the second. And this is a little bit more plausible. There's something about the stigma of just letting your kids walk up to strangers house. Yeah. Um, I never really thought about it when I was a kid and could have gotten abducted, but I wonder if there's something like that going on now. We live in a much more cautious society now. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I guess it just kind of depends on what neighborhood you're in. I mean, if you're in one of those neighborhoods where it's the the typical, you know, old cul-de-sac where these houses have been around since the 70s or 80s or whatever, then, it, you know, it's probably more common, like, you know, the neighborhood I I live in, like, yeah, last year we maybe only had two or three because of the rain. And this mm -hmm. year we, yeah, we probably got like 40 to 50 that came through. But well, I think good. it just kind of depends on where you live. I want to make sure the kids are getting the candy. I think that's what I'm mostly concerned about here. Right. So, I mean, I, I just, I thought that was very odd to just double the number up, but we did. So we got one each year so far that we've been at the house. So um, that was a little bit odd for Halloween. But other than that, we're not huge Halloween people. I, I wish I were. I'm just, I'm not that creative when it comes to putting out like a costume together. Uh -huh. And like, I hate fake looking costumes. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like, I'm not going to do it wrong. Like Carl's, Mount Carl's uh, Mario costume might've been the best thing I've ever seen. Oh yeah, it was great. It wasn't the best thing I've ever seen, but it was incredible. It was a great, well done costume. So, you know, they, they he took the time to put it in. I just, I, I don't know. I've only, you know, been doing a whole lot here at SLM and everything. I haven't really exactly had time to uh, put a costume together. Did you see the picture? I don't know if I sent this one to you, but it was of my, my buddy, uh, Jeremiah, and he he stopped at Target like bef right before the the party started, which we did our party on Friday because we tried to get more people to come mm -hmm. and not to make him make it on a Thursday. But he stopped at Target and everything's like 70% off, and he found this outfit, and basically it looks like a grill that covers him, and it has like meat on it 
And so I have a picture of Mountain Carl going up, grabbing his meat. <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. We'll get it out on Holy the site. Holy God. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I want to say maybe I saw that somewhere, but yeah, we need to get that out on our Instagram for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. Uh, well, that, that sounds like a fun time though. I think my sister and brother-in-law were at that, um, that game as well. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It's it's a very different experience without Dirk being there. I'll tell you that much. Right, right. I've right. never really been in a situation where I've seen him without him, and it feels very odd. But uh, I did see a drunk girl get kicked out. It was great. She was <laughs> falling all out of her seat and yelling at people across the row, wow. and was very friendly and nice, but just just acting an absolute fool. Yeah, and it made me laugh quite hard. I love someone getting booted out of a sporting event. Love that. Damn. But yeah, man, it's uh. So tell us more about the party. So yeah, well, before I went to the party, Halloween night, I actually went to downtown Dallas and stopped at a club called uh, the Church, which is like a industrial club, and went with uh, my friend Liz. Uh, and basically, she was dressed up as Cher, and I dressed up as kind of like a victorian era vampire but kind of had this really cool like jacket that kind of looked like something out of blade and of course i had these like really nice uh things that i had had done the molding and stuff and they just kept falling out so i need to do better research on that next time around but um but we had a good time and it was it was packed there uh the craziest thing i saw they did like a costume contest and there there were a bunch of dudes that were going up there that i had no idea what they were they were trying to be, but there was one guy dressed up as Eisenberg and he had the hat and his, I mean, the guy looked just like him, uh, like Brian Cranston's character from Breaking Bad, but he had like the, the bandaid over his nose. Like he'd just gotten his, his nose yeah. broken and yeah, everybody was cheering for him. I think Edward Scissorhands won that contest and there were a few other crazy things I saw, like people dressed up as in, in complete, uh, panda bear outfits and, I don't know how, but they had a really long straw and they were going to try and make it work, but they were talking to each other. I'm like, how can they even hear each other? And, uh, that was, that was pretty weird to see. Um, but that was the Dallas thing. And then we, uh, Dan and I spent most of the week getting the house ready. Um, we basically set up like a crime scene at the front of the house that had like a coroner bag with a body in it. And I put like these bloody footprints that, that go all the way from that to the guest bathroom. And then they stop in front of the toilet, uh, and then of course we had a couple other guys that were, that were, you know, had motion sensors and stuff like that. Uh, and then Daniel created a custom, I think it was like a seven foot tall. Jason had a big Hell trench yeah. coat on blade in his other hand. He's flipping you off. And, uh, awesome. so we put that in the theater room where everything's red and yeah, it was, it was a really good time. I mean, we had all kinds of other stuff and, and we'll put some pictures up. So, uh, listeners, you can, you can check it out and see what, what all we had. But I think as far as ambient wise and, and everything we had going on, it was the best one that we've ever put on. I mean, this is only the second year in this house that that's happened, but had a lot of people come out and, and show up, uh, had a few no shows, but not, not too bad, but everybody that showed up was just like, wow, this is, this is pretty great. So, yeah. so, uh, Two questions in. Best costume at the party, best costume you saw this year? Um, best costume at the party, I'm probably going to have to go with... See, Carl's, Carl was pretty good because he had he had the great mustache with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two. Of he, Super uh, Mario? Yeah, and two, because he had the... Uh, uh, what do you call it? The, the straps for, for, the his, overalls? Uh, for his overalls. He kept his phone in there, but he also like 
kept the beer in there. And he's, <laughs> he was like, he's like, watch Emily. I could do the jump. And he's doing the, the Mario jump. Uh-oh. And she's like, thanks a lot, asshole. You just shook up my beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is the same guy that owns a koozie. That's a glove where you can stick the beer into it. Yep. Like this is the same guy. So that's not surprising. The math definitely checks out. Yeah. And so Emily dressed up as peach and she looked really, really nice. And she had the star. And so Carl grabbed her star and stick. He's like, I have the star now. And he starts running around, running outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was doing the the music, but, uh, I, man, it's hard to really say who had the best one. Um, because, uh, you know, like my friend Daniel and his girlfriend, uh, dressed up as, uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Parks and Rec? Um, Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson, and she was uh, Tammy too. Okay, and so he, good. He basically shaved off his beard and had the mustache, and it was it was pretty good. Uh, but I would say that probably most creative and most fun was uh, myself and my buddy Peter. Uh, Peter dressed up as Dennis Nedry, the nah didn't say the magic word, you know, from Jurassic Park. Oh, and yeah. So he found like almost the exact Hawaiian shirt had like fake glasses and was carrying like a briefcase with them and then i dressed up as dotson and i had the red shirt with the hat and the glasses and i was carrying around a barbasol can and so whenever we first got there we took a picture together which again this will be up on social media later but he's like pointing at me and he's like dotson we got dotson here see no one cares That's awesome. Yeah, so all night long, we we had a good time. But I think the most uh, creative costumes I saw was definitely at that club, uh, seeing like Edward Scissorhands, and then there was one chick dressed up as like the the wife from Mars Attacks that has like the really really tall hair, and oh, yeah. she's she's moving around the tight dress, and she's got this uh, sort of like uh, you know uh, space gun or whatever, and it's glowing and everything, and that was that was pretty cool. That's awesome. So the best one that I saw. You're going to love this. This yeah. is one. This is the, one of the most creative things I've seen in a while. It was, so I saw this on Twitter, so I didn't see it in person. So I don't know if this counts or not, but it does. Cause I'm, I'm put it out there. And it was this girl, she was wearing a black shirt. that just had white stains all over it. Okay. And then she just had a name tag that said Eileen <laughs> for come on Eileen. <laughs> it was incredibly inappropriate, incredibly hilarious. Wow. Love where her head's at. <laughs> Oh, I forgot. I forgot another one I saw when I was at the club. This guy was he had a he had a full like uh, deer costume that he was wearing and wrapped around his neck was a sign hanging there that says, have you seen my mom? Oh, no. <laughs> this is Bambi. <laughs> it was so funny. It's uh, pretty rough. Yep. I was I was laughing my ass off, though. But you That's will be. One. Happy to know that uh, in the pub room, we had like a skeleton sitting there holding a beer with a trucker hat. And on the TV behind it, we we basically streamed uh, none other than um, all the episodes of uh, Treehouse of Horrors. So that was always going in the background. Hell yeah. That's a, that's a great idea. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Well, it sounds like you guys had a blast. And I'm sorry I couldn't make it. I will try to make it next year. Just it always like October is an absolute hell month for me at this company because we have the end of baseball going on. We have football in full force. We've got basketball starting. It's just like, I mean, I was telling you before the show started like two and a half to three weeks. I put out over 40 hours worth of content that I was involved with, if not producing, then, you know, being the, the lead chair on. So like, it's just one of those things where, 
man, like we got to the like middle of last week. I was so incredibly exhausted that I couldn't even stay awake anymore. Like yeah. I was just, I was falling asleep at every turn. It was terrible. So it's just one of those things. Like we do it because we love it, mm-hmm. but it's, it makes October a really intense month. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's busy for everybody in general, you know? Um, yeah. So it's just about making time. But yeah. My, my whole calendar was all lined up, but uh, before we did Halloween and everything, uh, pretty much the day I got back from Tulsa uh, that evening, I went over to Carl and Emily's place uh, in Addison and we were going to do a scary movie night. So we chose army of darkness mm. and had some martinis and, and got some dinner and stuff. And, uh, we're going to watch that, and, and Emily actually really enjoyed it. We all enjoyed it. We were just having fun laughing, and Carl, at one point, he's like, oh, I love this movie. <laughs> so, uh, Of course. Yeah, so that's a little bit of a tease. Uh, next episode, Carl and I will go into detail in terms of our thoughts on Army of Darkness and all that, but hopefully we'll get to do uh, more of those type of things and, and maybe get you included on next time we do some watches. Absolutely. And we've been talking about the burbs forever, so we've got to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm glad that you brought up dark movies because I want to tell you just for a second about our our sponsor, Audible, and I want to plug a book that I've been reading. You know how I read these these intense books that are not always the most uplifting things. Like a lot of times I need something to watch. Stephen or, King. Excuse me. To, yeah, or something like that. Or like I recently read a book called... Uh, the coddling of the American mind. And it's essentially about how we got to this like PCs place that we're at in, mm-hmm. in life. And right now I've been listening to a book called how democracy dies, which is incredible. <laughs> it's incredibly daunting. It's really about all like how democracy falls apart in third world countries and how trying to instill that in different countries and stuff has worked and how, why it hasn't worked, et cetera, et cetera. And why certain pillars of government and institution or ma- like matter whenever you're trying to install that stuff. It's really, really intense, but I'll tell you, the only way that I can really get through something like that is by kind of listening to it like at bits at a time, and Audible is absolutely perfect for that. That's actually our sponsor of the show today, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read the ad here. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening that easy go to audibletrial.com forward slash slm get started now i'll tell you man i don't know that you don't necessarily have to go into you know some of those intense books like i do but they have got a ton of stuff that you can jump on yeah that's what i've heard and i definitely need to start getting into it because i i want to kind of compare you know stephen king's uh, adaptation which is coming out here soon which is dr sleep and i kind of want to compare that and so you know i want to find that on audible as well as many others uh it'll be out there for sure yeah yeah yeah, well, that's so great. definitely worth it. All right. So the other thing I was going to tell you, the other thing that I've been playing this week, it's actually a game I've been playing this week. Yeah. That came out on Halloween is Luigi's Mansion. Ah, you remember this okay. game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the third edition. So it's Luigi's Mansion 3. It's on the Switch. And uh, I start. So the first one I'm pretty sure was on GameCube. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I never played, I played that one. I never played the second one. So this is the first time I've gotten back to a good old Mario game since I guess the Switch launched. But, but you know, one of those old school type Mario games where they, they, it's really a challenge. Yeah. A lot of fun though, man. It's definitely worth checking out if you ever get a chance to play it. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I remember playing like Mario Party and, you know, of course, you know, Mario Kart, all that stuff uh, mm-hmm. back in the day on. 64 and the cube and i mean nintendo's had so many different consoles since then but i hear the switch is pretty amazing 
It is, man. And I love the versatility of the Switch to be able to take it wherever you go. And it's its own little screen, but it's also a system as well. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things whenever we go up to the mountains to do our our uh, Colorado trip every year in the, you know, up in the mountains, that's a, that's a staple that we have to have. It's oh, just, yeah. Yeah, the Switch. So um, Luigi's Mansion, huge thing for people to get into. Uh, another movie I watched this past weekend, it's on the Plex server, uh, Battle of the Sexes. Have you seen this movie? Uh, no, but I know that I understand that's about um, tennis players. I uh, can't remember their names off the top of my head, so I'll just let you take it away. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pull it up here real quick. So essentially, uh, it's, it's like about Emma Stone, right? Do what? Emma Stone and uh, Steve Carell. Yeah, so it's about the 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. And so Billie Jean King is played by Emma Stone and uh, Steve Carell plays plays uh, Bobby Riggs and I mean this this cast is star-studded Bill Pullman makes an appearance in this ah, sh- in nice. movie um, Sarah Silverman's in this movie there's a lot of different people Red- Fred Armisen makes a really strange appearance as he as is he known does. to do yeah yeah he's like the so like basically the story is that essentially in pro tennis at the time there was like Billie Jean King was this incredible woman tennis tennis player and Bobby Riggs decided to take her on for like a million dollars and, uh, or yeah, it was a million dollars. He really didn't give a shit about this match. Cause he was like, Oh, she's a woman. I'll beat her kind of mm-hmm. thing. And this was during the, the women's liberation type stuff in the seventies and everything. So it's kind of a big time for women. And they essentially played each other and Steve Carell didn't really, I mean, he played this role perfect. Bobby Riggs didn't do anything to prepare. He smoked cigarettes the whole time. He wore like a sugar, he was sponsored by sugar daddy. So he wore a sugar daddy uh, jacket during the game. He had to take that off. because It was so hot, you know, like all this stuff. Like he basically just kind of walked in there like, Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, take care of you. And she just walked in and cleaned the house with him. Wow. I mean, just destroyed this guy. And, uh, and so, yeah, the movie's about that whole thing. It was really well done overall. It was it was biographical, but it was, I don't know. It, it There were times where it, it, like, it played up the fact that she was struggling, like she was married, but then she was, like, struggling with being a lesbian and didn't really know. And so it was, like, kind of going through that, but, like, really kind of dove into that story. It didn't really, like, give it a whole lot of ramp-up time, which is a little bit odd. Oh, yeah. But, it was still really well done, and Emma Stone was great in this movie. Yeah, well, she's a great actress, but yeah, I, I yeah, I definitely want to check it out because I've heard nothing but great things, and the ensemble cast sounds great. Who directed this thing? Uh, let me pull it up. I had it up right here. It was directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. Okay, okay. So a little bit off there, but like, like I said, man, the the, the cast in this made this movie really great and it wasn't for like the typical bull bill pullman type of like yeah greatness it wasn't about that he was like an announcer kind of off to the side it wasn't even really uh, okay yeah it wasn't even really that so um great movie good uh, it's been it came out in 2017 so it's been out a little bit i've been meaning to get around to watching this and we finally just had a chance to watch it the other night i, I loved it huh okay well yeah i mean if it has enough to hold your attention then you know it's, it's kind of like uh, another movie that's coming out about the old times um, Ford versus Ferrari. That's something I'm really, really looking forward to seeing. Um, so that it seems like they're doing a lot of movies about, I, I like when they do that, like with, you know, Apollo 13 and yeah. you know, a lot of these other films and that they're going back and kind of, you know, people that maybe weren't so familiar with those events when they happen in real life. Um, so yeah, I definitely will check this movie out. 
Yeah, I know you're a big fan of like Sully and stuff like that, yeah. you know, landing the plane on the Hudson and all that. <laughs> right, yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Heavy subject. <laughs> Heavy subject, but that's only like five minutes of the film. The rest of it's just like, you know. A lot of filler. A lot of filler, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it, it was, I love those two where you kind of learn something and go back. I was really excited to see Ford versus Ferrari until I started having a conversation with the great Sambino. Oh. And he was telling me about how the, he's really auto when it comes to, to, to automobile to, racing. Yeah. He is. And was telling me about how he's really concerned for some of the lack of <laughs> genuine stuff in this movie or whatever that only he would probably notice. And I'm like, well, that's fucking great. Thanks for telling me that. <laughs> now, I, like, yeah. now I'm going to be looking for all these little things that probably didn't actually happen the way, you know, I mean, you got to take some dramatic license in some sure. places. Yeah. I, I, I'm still going to see it. I, I can't imagine I'm going to rush out to the theaters to see it now. Thanks to him. But like, I do think that there's like a, there's a time where like, I don't know. At some point you get to where like the star power alone is going to be, is going to carry. Oh yeah. This movie for sure. So I'm excited for that one too. Is there any other big ones coming out like that? But for well, the end of the year, uh, Dr. Sleep uh, comes out later oh, yeah. this month as well as knives out, which looks entertaining, but I'm, I'm, I think Dr. Sleep's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Then you got that other star Wars film that comes out next month, which I really don't really have that much excitement for after seeing the second one. And the trailer to be honest, looks just more of the same, but uh, going back to Dr. Sleep, I definitely want to go see that with, you know, if if you can make it as well as Carl, Uh, have you read that book? Uh, I've only read about half of that book actually. And, and not for any particular reason other than I just never got back to finishing. it. Right. Right. I mean, what's interesting about it, what I was reading the, uh, the backstory of it, you know, Stephen King, of course, wrote the shining, which he wasn't a big fan of, uh, Stanley Kubrick's, uh, you know, version of it. Uh, but he, you know, was just doing sort of like a, a book signing event for something else. This was back in like, I think 1997 or 98. And a fan came up to him and asked him like, you know, have you ever thought about, what Danny would be doing these days and, and what would happen to him. And of course, living with the PTSD and everything. And, and he was like, no, I haven't thought about that. And he's like, well, maybe you should write a book about it. And he goes, he's thinking, he's like, that's not a bad idea. So he kind of came up. That's how Dr. Sleep came to be. And yeah. I just, I never read it, but just based on the, um, you know, the trailers I've seen for it and some of the early rave reviews coming out about it, saying that it's the best, uh, it's the best Stephen King film adaptation since the Shawshank Redemption. I mean, those Damn. are some pretty bold statements. So a real bold statement. I, I'm definitely going to go see it opening weekend for sure. Yeah, I would love to go see that. What, what weekend does it open? Do we know? I believe it opens like, uh, let me look it up real quick. I thought it was like around uh, Thanksgiving time, but at the same time, I don't want yeah. to misquote here. His books are interesting just because they are so heavy like they're so long and detail oriented and everything which i love to an extent but boy and we were just talking about that about songs and stuff like that a little while ago about how the abbreviated version always kind of sucks and builds up but it's just there are times where it's it takes you forever to get through one of his books okay so it comes out this friday november 8th oh wow i thought it was a little bit later in the month i thought i'd heard that too yeah i think it's knives out that comes out later in the month but yeah i definitely want to go see that this coming weekend another thing that really excites me about it is the guy who uh directed it mike flanagan uh, also helped write the screenplay and this is the guy behind haunting a hill house and Mm -hmm. behind uh, the netflix original movie hush um but haunting hill house if anybody has seen that i mean that's one of my favorite 
TV series that's on. I think they're starting to do season two now. But the guy's just very original when it comes to horror. You know, don't have the typical, you know, cat jumping out of the closet type stuff. Yep, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, you have like too much of that in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I deal with that on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that too. I, I definitely want to go see it. I think it, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I Like I said, I read about half the book. I'd like to get back to it, but I, I'd probably have to reread the whole thing at this point. It's been years. What's uh, what's the most captivating Stephen King book that you've gone cover to cover through? Uh, it's always a tie. I love this question. It's always a tie. It's between Bag of Bones. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. Or, uh, sorry, great book. And uh, 112263. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 112263 was, was really damn good. What do you think of the TV miniseries that was created for that? Uh, it was pretty good. Someone once told me that, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking on the lead guy's name. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking was, about. Uh, I'll think of it in just a second. Um, probably right when we get off the air is my guess. <laughs> I'm looking it up because that's just going to kill me. James Franco. James Franco? Yep. Yeah. He looks so much like Johnny Manziel, and I just really can't get past that. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm, I'm talking about, look it up. It's, Great. It's that's stuck in there. my mind now. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm telling you. And like someone told me that right before the series came out. And I was like, God damn it. Uh, the adaptation was really good. The detail was much heavier in the book, obviously. So that's a given. And I don't know that the wormhole and all that was explained quite as well in the show as it could have been. Yeah. But it was still really good. And for those that don't know, he basically goes back in time and realizes he could go back in time and essentially change the or you know try to help stop lee harvey oswald from killing jfk and he runs into all these different you know different blocks and stuff like that of the universe trying to keep him from doing it and it's a really really well done book uh i I, the the adaptation for tv was as good as it could be but i don't know that it was that great overall yeah it was was pretty interesting especially the the part where the female love interest that he has was being like held captive in that house with that crazy psychopath. Remember that? Yeah. That, so I, yeah, yeah. It, th- that was, it made a lot more sense in the book because the build up to their relationship was lengthier Stronger. than in the show. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it made it feel less awkward. I remember thinking that exact same thing, like, God, if I hadn't read the book, I would be not loving this. <laughs> yeah. There, there were a lot of really interesting things with that, but I, 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 overall, I really liked how it ended and the fact that they really kind of fleshed out the ending of what it felt like to me. They did. They definitely did. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Those will always be my two favorite is bag of bones. And that one, the dome was pretty good too. It was, I mean, it, <laughs> It was really tough that the Simpsons movie was basically the same thing. So like <laughs> kind of took away from the luster yeah, of it. Yeah. Like, you know, like the scene whenever they're talking about whenever the dome first drops on top of the city, it's literally the exact same storyline. Yeah. The dome drops on top of the city. Well, it's not the exact same storyline, but similar. Mm-hmm. The dome drops on top of the city and all of a sudden it just splits a cow in half. And you're like, what <laughs> just happened? Right. Yeah. And like all these kinds of things happen. Well, it just kind of negates that whenever Homer rides a motorcycle up to the very top and just, you know. Mm-hmm. Whoop, right out the top right out you the know, top yeah kind of kind of puts a weird damper on it but uh it was really good too but I, I wouldn't hold it up there quite as much as those yeah man that, that was such a great movie when it came out sure was i don't think that i've ever really gotten around to reading the shining because mm-hmm. of the fact that like you've really gotta start that at halloween time and i don't think i can get through it in a month i really don't yeah, I mean, it's probably a lengthy book. Probably not as lengthy as It, which I hear is over like a thousand pages or it something is. ridiculous. But yeah, 
Yeah, don't take it to a brewery to read. That's weird. Me and Mount Carl have seen that before. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, man. Talk about yeah. someone that's trying to make friends that you see that and you're like, I don't want to be friends with you. Yeah, that's a that's a bit much. Yep. But well, yeah, man. Hey, man, this has been a, a fun time catching up. Uh, had a real fun uh, episode here, catching up on everything, talking about everything from Halloween to everything that's been going on for both of us the last week. But we want to thank you guys, uh, our listeners out there for listening to us. And if at any time you want to leave a voicemail, you can call us directly at 972-885-9361. Leave a voicemail there, uh, bring up any topic, whatever you guys want to talk about, feel free to start, uh, you know, joining in the conversation, but you can check us out uh, on Twitter and Instagram at sensibly loud on Facebook at sensibly loud media. And again, J Mac, thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. And everybody else, stay tuned for next week's episode of Sensibly Loud Radio.